the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. All right, welcome everyone. Thank you so much for uh, your patience and understanding with us. We had some technical glitches and problems with one of our studios. So in the uh, time it took me to get to a new studio, we uh, brought you a couple of uh, best of segments. So hopefully you enjoyed those. But we are live now. Uh, It is, uh, I don't know, why would there be a clock? 9.54, I guess is what it looks like now here on AM 1420, The Answer. One of those Mondays, I guess. One of those Mondays. So I want to say this about Friday and Saturday, now that we are live. What an extraordinary day and what an extraordinary uh, convention. Uh, Both days, I should say. On Friday and Saturday at uh, the Embassy Suites in Independence, where Cleveland Right to Life brought the Bringing America Back to Life convention back again for the 14th consecutive year, and I've been... uh, Honored. Well, I shouldn't say consecutive. We did have a COVID year, but uh, 14th time. And I was honored to emcee it again and to uh, be able to interact with and talk with some of the most important conservative voices in the pro-life movement, but also in the pro-family movement, also in the pro-U.S. movement. Um, I mean, obviously, bringing America back to life is uh, singularly devoted to the issue of abortion and trying to stop <clears throat> the murder of uh, unborn babies, uh, and that's, of course, at its core. And there was a massive, massive message uh, for two days about stopping the ballot initiative that has already been released. The language has been released and approved by the Attorney General uh, or, and the Secretary of State, and um, it's a fight. It's probably going to be on the ballot in November, and it's a fight. It's, it's not a fight where our legislators can do it for us. Because this isn't a legislative issue. A ballot initiative means it's up to you and me. It's up to the voters to stop the ballot initiative to codify uh, abortion in the Ohio Constitution. It would be embedded in the Constitution, and it's up to you and me. It's a popular vote. All they need is half of Ohio voters plus one to make sure that abortion is legal all the way up to and including at the moment of birth. I mean, it's that devastating. It's that, it's that serious. And there needs to be a massive effort to try to stop that, to, to outvote that, to educate people. And that's where the fundraising comes in that was done. And, of course, the strategizing and the ideas that were shared and so forth at the uh, convention on Friday and Saturday. So uh, we heard from some remarkable people. We really did. And... Um, uh, a lot of money was raised, and we're going to be featuring some of those people on the radio over the course of the next uh, several months as we try to pick up the pace 
and um, and do our part to fight against the uh, evils of abortion and what's going to happen with this particular constitutional amendment. So I just want to say thank you to Molly Smith, also to Kate Macra, uh, also to Janine Jones, uh, also to Jerry Serino, and so many others. It's a huge team on Cleveland Right to Life that put that thing together. Uh, but it really was inspirational. I enjoyed my time there, and I'm going to enjoy talking to more and more of these people as time goes on as we continue to fight for what is uh, what is right and what is just in this um, uh, in this fight against uh, abortion. And like I said, it's so much more than that. It's a culture war. We talked at length about the attempt to not only kill children in the womb, but what the left is trying to do with respect to um, destroying their minds and destroying their bodies through grooming and through trying to push upon them unnatural, non-biological-based uh, uh, identities of themselves. They're trying so hard to recruit a massive political army together. And that's the one thing that the radical left in the LGBTQ uh, uh, movement understands is they can't reproduce people just like them because homosexuality and and, and, uh, uh, the other various versions of sexuality that is not normalcy, which is males and females getting married and having children and so forth, um, they they can't produce. It's just not possible. In a homosexual union, one, you know, two people cannot reproduce. Only in a heterosexual union can that happen. So what do they have to do? If they can't reproduce, they have to recruit other people's children into their cause and into their lifestyle and into their political movement. And that's what that whole thing is so so much directed at. And that's, what, uh, that's one of the other things we discussed at length uh, at Bringing America Back to Life. So they had the Groomer Fest in Wadsworth. It was a bit of a, a, bit of a mess. We'll call it that. A hodgepodge of very different groups all doing very different things. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Coming up here in uh, just a couple of minutes after the top of the hour, we are going to talk with Representative Gary Click, State Representative Gary Click, who has got a very interesting idea on how to deal with that particular issue, with what happened on Wadsworth and what is happening in other locations around our state. So we're going to talk about that with Gary Click. At 1035, we will talk to Jim Jordan. At 1110, we'll talk to new author Jonah Schultz. So we still have a packed two hours plus coming here. On AM 1420, The Answer. Stay here. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two is underway now on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. Nine minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, it is a Monday, the 13th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And thanks again. Uh, just just got in um, uh, to the BABL, the Bringing America Back to Life presentations. We had a wonderful weekend on Friday and Saturday at the Embassy Suites. Again, thanks to Cleveland Right to Life. And we'll be talking more about that later today. And also, uh, as the days and the weeks go by in this very, very important monumental fight against that ballot initiative to uh, embed abortion literally at any time at any stage of gestation for any reason whatsoever through the moment of birth um that that fight is is the fight for lives quite literally the fight for lives and uh we'll we'll continue on that but uh i do want to pivot now there was another event that happened on saturday while we were celebrating life uh in independence uh 
and we were protecting babies, unborn babies, and uh, protecting the family. Over in Wadsworth, they were doing something very, very different. Over in Wadsworth, they were endangering the lives. And by that, I don't necessarily mean the actual lives, although in a manner of speaking, you could say I do, but the lifestyles of children, as from what I'm told, roughly 15 children were dragged to this, and I may use that term literally and intentionally, dragged to this drag show in the uh, Memorial Park in Wadsworth to, uh, I don't know, start the grooming process early, um, to watch a cross-dresser read and uh, dance for them. And uh, it turned into kind of a mess. So I knew that was happening uh, on the 11th. We talked about it in some depth uh, with some Wadsworth, uh, with the Wadsworth City Council President, Bob Thurber, and some others through the, in the days leading up to that. What I did not know was happening the very next day, which was yesterday, which was March 12th, is that March 12th was D-Trans Awareness Day. I didn't know that until somebody sent me a link to a YouTube channel that happened to be the YouTube channel called Click for Ohio. It's Gary Click, Representative Gary Click's YouTube page. Uh, He is, of course, uh, Representative for Ohio District 88, and he was doing an interview with somebody on D-Trans Awareness Day, which I'm told, according to this, is March 12th, 2023. It's March 12th every year, I guess. I didn't know. I didn't know such a thing existed. I'm very, very sad that such a thing has to exist, to be honest with you, but it does. And so I said, hey, Gary Click, will you come on the air and tell us about this interview you did and tell us about what D-Trans Awareness Day is? And he said, absolutely. So let's welcome now Gary Click, who is, uh, again, Ohio State Rep, District 88, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Representative. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Bob. Thank you so much for helping bring attention to D-Trans Awareness Day. And I, like you, I wish it did not exist or did not have to exist. Uh, should not exist. But, you know, back in 2021, uh, several D-Transitioners got together and said, hey, we need to create some awareness. Because the reality is, is uh, except for folks like you, the media is silent on this tragedy that's going on. They want to ignore all these people like Chloe Cole who been down this road and then woke up one day and said, what the heck did you let me do? Why did you let me do this? And so it, we've had the transitioners in here. We've had, you know, I had for my press conference, uh, I had uh, someone from Trey Voices, Scott Nugent, who's a very loud voice uh, about this process. Scott transitioned at the, well, it was Scott was actually Kelly and transitioned at the age of 42, spent over a million dollars and had this horrible result, infection after infection, almost died, and no one pays attention. And when I had the hearings last year, no one ever interviewed Helena Kirshner. No one interviewed Chloe Cole. No one interviewed any of the families of the detransitioners. But, but boy, you bring Amy Schneider in, and, and everybody fawns all over. And, and what's the deal? They say, well, you're only 1%. You don't count. You're insignificant. I think they're significant. How many people do we have to sacrifice before they count this as something that is relevant and deserves our attention. So we're trying to bring awareness to this. And so just on Thursday, I, I took uh, a bill to the clerk's office for Ohio to recognize D-Trans Awareness Day every year on March 12th, and that should drop in rules and reference this week. And we just need to add more attention to the fact that children are being harmed by this reckless ideology. 
Well, that's a great introduction, and that's a great uh, little backstory there. Now, some people might be saying, who's Chloe Cole? Who are these names and these people that you're talking about? And uh, who is the other one that you said they were fawning over? So why don't you give us a little bit on that? Is that the person you interviewed on this uh, on this um, uh, uh, yes. YouTube channel? Yeah, Chloe Cole. Tell so us about Chloe, it. Yeah. So I interviewed <clears throat> Chloe uh, this last week, and we, we put that video out yesterday. Chloe is uh, 18 years old. She was she came to my committee last year. This was her start. Uh, first place, the first time she ever testified. Her testimony is at the end of the video. Uh, as a 17-year-old girl, she's testifying that when she was 12, she thought she was a boy, identified as a boy, and so on. And they started giving her testosterone at the age of 12. And then at the age of 15, they talked her parents into letting her have a double mastectomy. And basically that same old line you hear all the time is, do you want a, a living son or a dead daughter? They didn't feel comfortable about, all about it, but they didn't want their child to commit suicide. They loved her, and so they fell for that, and she got a double mastectomy. Then by the time she's 17, she's saying, what did you do to me? And what did you allow me to do to myself? And so she began speaking out, and our, our committee last year was the first time she spoke publicly. She's been everywhere. Since then, she's been with Matt Walsh. She was she spoke at CPAC this year, done an excellent job at it, and uh, and we intend to bring her back for testimony here in Ohio. But uh, I w- I reached out to her. I said, "Hey, D Trans Awareness Day is coming. Can I interview you uh, for that on on, uh, on on YouTube and so forth?" She says, "Oh, yes, absolutely." And so we did that, and then we also brought in uh, Kelly, who is someone right here in Ohio who is what we call a desister. She's not a detransitioner. She's a desister. And that simply means that, yes, she had all of those tendencies. She had gender dysphoria, but she grew out of it. And the statistics tell us that 85 to 95% of people will grow out of it when they go through puberty. And that's why they got to catch it when they're young because before they grow out of it. That's why they got to give the hormone blockers, the cross-sex hormones, to keep them from growing out of this. And then they have a patient for life, and that's a lot of money. There's a lot to follow up on there. We're talking with Ohio State Representative Gary Click. He is the representative from District 88. So um, you used the pronoun they, and I don't mean it in that way, by the way. Uh, I right. mean literally in your discussion there, in your explanation of Chloe Cole, when you said they got her on testosterone treatments at age 12, they uh, gave her a double mastectomy, and then when she realized at age 17 what a terrible mistake had been made, she said, what have you done? Who are the they's and the you's that we're talking about here who convinced her parents uh, you need to do this? Like you said, have a living son or a dead daughter, that whole nine yards. Who who were the uh, people in her life, the adults in her life, who let her down and failed her so spectacularly? Well, that would be the therapists. You, you go to these gender counselors, and it's a one-way track. And that would be them and also the physicians who perform these these operations and provide all these hormones. And listen, and they say you have to help them be their authentic self. Well, if you need a syringe and a scalpel, that's not your authentic self. Uh, you don't need a syringe and a scalpel to be authentic. And really what is happening, and I got some kickback from the LGBTQ community because in the video I say, why won't people let you be your authentic self, which is now returning back to acknowledging that she is a female and living as a female. And there is there was so much hate, you know, and I'm uh, supposedly because I let these women, and there's so much misogyny, because I let these women tell their stories. Now I'm trying to, you know, um, 
unalive, they say, these, <laughs> the, the trans community or a genocide. And just because we let these girls tell their stories of, hey, this is reckless, this is dangerous, look what happened to me. No one wants to acknowledge them or so, their pain, so, or they say it, it's only 1%. I'm failing to understand their logic in this. So we should let her tell her story and then physically, you know, mutilate her to match whatever the story she's telling as a young, preformative-minded ch- uh, child. But when she's right. older, and now she's 17, she's still a minor, but she's closer to being an adult, as she's older and wiser... Now we're not supposed to to listen to her. We're only supposed to listen to her when she is going to be one of the new LGBTQ army. We're not supposed to be listening to her if she wants to, if she wants to, um, uh, go AWOL on that army and say, no, I made a terrible mistake. Now suddenly, uh, no, now no, suddenly she doesn't involved. know what she's doing. She knew more then than she does now. I'm failing to understand uh, that logic. Well, it's because it's not logic. It's <laughs> totally illogical. And, and the reality is they, oh, it, that's why some of the people in this community, refer to it as cult-like because there's only one way you can go in and when you're coming in oh we're so loving oh, oh you're so brave and this is you and there's so much more that you can have but the moment you realize it's a sham it's a fake and it doesn't work for you and you try to leave it's like, oh you are evil you are bad you are a blasphemer and you're you're destroying people, and you can only come in, but you can't go out. Well, you know, Gary, uh, we're talking Representative Gary Click, Ohio 88, um, who informed us of something that apparently was born in 2021. So this would be the third year for uh, Detransition Awareness Day uh, on March 12th. It is a cult. It has to be a cult. Otherwise, how do you explain groups of girls from the same high school and in the same friend group going to therapy together and going to request hormone blockers together, going to uh, request new identities and new pronouns together. Why do you think they do it in groups? There are all of these people suffering from the same psychological condition, which is so rare that it's less than 1% of the population, but just a whole bunch of them got it at the same time and they all realized it at the same time? Or are they encouraging one another, playing off of one another and listening to the same adults in their lives, their teachers and their counselors and their therapists who are all and the social media influencers who are all telling them, go find your true self and making them think they have to create something new for themselves. Well, Lisa Littman coined the phrase, Dr. Lisa Littman coined the phrase ROGD, which is rapid onset gender dysphoria. Now, there are some people at a young age for whatever reason, and there are reasons for it. Sometimes it's abuse. There are always comorbidities of anxiety, depression, uh, self-harm, other things that influence this, and escapism, sometimes for people who have been abused uh, sexually or violently or verbally. But when it happens in these older girls, it's, it's rapid on, they call it rapid onset gender dysphoria, and it is a social phenomenon that is pushed by social media or the groups within their schools when they all, they had no symptoms as children, but all at once, they kind of do it together as a group. And, you know, Chloe says it was the social media that let, she had all these other things that were comorbidities. And then she got onto social media and realized or was misinformed that, hey, maybe it's because I'm a boy and maybe I'm not really a girl. And so she began that transition. And there's a little bit of a euphoria that goes along with that transition as it begins. Uh, and there's ups and the downs for these kids who go through this. It's like a drug uh, to them. And to it is. Kids who, 
And and, and that's why that's why yeah. I I even have Gary and I apologize for the intrusion. I even have a problem with the uh, ROGD, uh, the rapid onset, because gender dysphoria is a literal psychological disorder, very similar and akin to you know split personality disorder. When a when a, when a human being with one yeah. brain and one mind thinks that they're two people, um, or right. multiple personality disorder, or whatever the case might be, those are legitimate and real. Psych- psychological disorders, and guess what? They impact less than 1% of the general population. Same thing with gender dysphoria. So when all of these girls are doing it, I don't think it's dysphoric at all. I think it's a simple social contagion and, and a bowing yeah. to the peer pressure of, hey, let's all go do this. Uh, we'll all be happy together. But I don't think they're actually suffering from a psychological disorder. They're suffering from prepubescent and adolescent uh, goofiness and 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 they're playing along with their friends. I mean, really, that's what makes what you said earlier. Eighty-five to ninety percent of these kids who are confused or 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 socially pressured in such ways realize in in short short order that no, I'm not actually a different sex. I am what I am, and and they get over whatever their little uh, whatever their little contagion right. was. And that's why I, I wanted to have that contrast mm-hmm. on the video that I produced uh, between a desister and a detransitioner. So Kelly is, is a couple generations above uh, Chloe, and, and she's a little bit older. And so she's able to go back and look and say, yeah, I had all those problems, but I grew out of it. And, and she says, I'm so glad that I didn't live in this age, because if I had lived in this age, I would have gone through that entire process. She says, I know that I would. And, and then Chloe says back to her, it's like, I'm glad you didn't have my experiences. I'm glad you did not have those opportunities to self-harm yourself with the help of a doctor and with the help of a therapist. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to grow up and be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Gary, um, you'll probably appreciate this. This was on Saturday that I saw this story. Uh, so the day before, what I didn't even know existed, which is Detransition Awareness Day on March 12th, or, um, yeah, yeah, March 12th, so this is March 11th. Dr. Susan Bradley, a Canadian psychiatrist and a pioneer in child gender dysphoria treatment, came out against the popular model of affirming children's transgender identities and putting them on puberty blockers, a practice she was once involved in. She did an interview with the Daily Caller. She is now in her early 80s, and she says, and I quote, we were wrong. They're not as irreversible as we always thought, speaking of puberty blockers. And they have a longer-term effect on a kid's growth and development, including making them sterile and quite a number of other things affecting their bone growth. She said we were wrong to start recommending and prescribing puberty blockers to gender dysphoric children as a way to alleviate their distress. Uh, These kids need counseling. They don't need drugs. Am I right? Right. 100%. And this is happening all over the place. Jamie Reed just... Uh, had an article in the free press. Jamie Reed is a member of the LGBTQ community, and she helped to facilitate these things. She worked in this process in St. Louis at at their gender clinic, and she said, wow, we we were not giving these kids the appropriate amount of care. It's all about the money. Of course, you can go to Vanderbilt University and see that. And then, uh, you know, across the pond, you know, the Tavistock, I mean, they shut it down. Uh, They're about 10 to 15 years ahead of us. We looked over there. There's a brand new book that just came out. It's called Time to Think, and I'm about three-quarters of the way through that book. And they looked and saw what they were doing. They saw the negative effects. They were rushing these kids through, and they were just pushing them through. And and here's what's sad is, is you know, some of these kids, they said they were just going to they were gonna grow up and be, you know, gay or lesbian or whatever, or that was really their tendency. But 
their parents would say things like, I would rather have a trans child than a gay child. And so the parents were sometimes even pushing this because they felt Mm. like they could hide under that cloak of, well, no one knows that that's really my son or really my daughter. And they even the parents were pushing the kids into this sometimes. And there is, in my research, there's factitious disorder in another. It, it used to be called um, uh, Munchausen syndrome, but now it's uh, SDIA, factitious disorder in another. And sometimes it's the parents who are pushing this. Oh, know, yeah. There's one lady, Amber Bingo, she said, my daughter told my daughter told me when she was in the womb that she was really a boy. <laughs> I mean, how crazy can you get? And she's like one of the number one spokesmen for all this gender dysphoria stuff. And by the way... Before it was called gender dysphoria, it was called gender identity disorder. And they changed the name for political reasons to make it seem more appropriate and like it's not a disorder. But it is a disorder. Well, the, the most, uh, the most, um, degree, no, that's not the right word either. Well, I, I, what I'm trying to say is when it is indeed recognized as a psychological disorder, one then has to ask. How do we in the how do those in the medical community and do we as a society treat psychological disorders? And the answer has never been mutilate the body. You treat well, you treat the psychological disorder. Well, okay, right, right. But but and when somebody has a so psycho well. when somebody has a psychological disorder like uh, anorexia and bulimia and they look in the mirror and they literally believe their body is fat when they're rail thin and they you can count their right. ribs, no one sends them to a doctor for liposuction. Instead, right. they work on their mind. Pills, yeah, they turn. They they work on their mind and tell them no. Your 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 mind is playing tricks on you. Your body is not fat, and we need to treat that. Well, it's it's the same thing here. No, your mind is playing tricks on you. You're not a biological boy or girl. You are what you are. Uh, and the idea that doctors are so willing to commit that violation of the Hippocratic oath and do harm to these people physically because of their social, uh, uh, psychological disorders is simply uh, abominable. Um, Re- Representative Gary Click, thank you for the time today. Thank you for uh, keeping us aware of, uh, or making us aware, rather, of March 12th, which is uh, D-Trans de- de- uh, Awareness Day. And please keep us posted on uh, movement of your bill in the Ohio House, okay? We definitely will. Thank you for helping me bring attention to this, Bob. It's Take a care. God bless. Thank you, sir. God bless you, too, Representative Click. It's 1028. We'll be back with Congressman Jim Jordan. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1035, and we continue now on this Monday episode of Always Right Radio. Thanks for being with us. Thanks again to Representative Gary Click uh, letting us know about Detransition Awareness Day. Joe Biden tried to let us know today that all is well. I feel like he's Kevin Bacon in Animal House. He's trying to tell us all is well as he gets trampled. The Silicon Valley Bank collapse. The uh, shuttering of essentially signature bank, woke investment banks collapsing. And President Biden says, no, no, the economy is good. It's strong. We're not heading into a, into a recession at all. Your money is safe. Feel confident about our banking system. I feel anything but confident about our banking system. Let's see what Congressman Jim Jordan has to say about that. He is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, also chairman of the Subcommittee on Weaponization Against uh, Parents and Citizens. Congressman Jordan, good morning. Good to have you back. How are you, sir?
Hello. Hello. Congressman, can you hear me? Yep, yep. Sorry about that. We got gremlins all over the place today. Um, (laughs) So uh, thank you for coming on an hour later. I appreciate that. Uh, Thanks for making the time. So, Congressman, explain this to one of my favorite lines in the movies from Denzel Washington. Explain this to me like I'm a four-year-old. What happened with the Silicon Valley Bank, and what does that mean for us? Well, I think it's largely driven by the interest rates. And then, you you know, from what I gather, and I'm not, I don't pretend to be an expert in in finance, but what I gather is there were some people who went in their deposits. And because this bank had put so much in in treasuries at a lower rate and they were taking a loss on that, they couldn't cover people who were coming to the bank asking for for their money. And therefore, they had to go into receivership. And, you know, as as you know, the the, the government comes in and and basically closes the bank on uh, last week. Now, supposedly today, Members, uh, you know, uh, uh, depositors are going to be able to get their their FDIC insured amount, which is up to two hundred fifty thousand. So, um, but I think it was driven largely. I mean, it, you, you know, they're 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 in the tech industry and all that. But I think it's driven largely by Biden's inflation driving up interest rates. Uh, that is the biggest problem here. It could be some other things as well, but that to me seems to be the the primary driver of this problem. So uh, all of that makes perfect sense. Um, I think a lot of people are going to have a problem with the only thing people can get back is up to $250,000 of their deposits because there are a lot of corporations who who have uh, deposits in that bank of, of much, much more than that, even into the millions of dollars. What happens to those corporations? Well, there, there's been some talk. I was not on this conference. I didn't, I didn't get notice of it uh, uh, yesterday, but there was a, some talk, I think, of, of uh, covering... Um, people with, you know, larger amounts in there. I don't know. But once you start doing that, once you start changing the rules and say, oh, this is an exception, what does that do to to other people if, they, if there happens to be some, some other bank somewhere? So I, I'd be very, very nervous about that. You know, look, it's like uh, we live in a, in a, it's supposed to be capitalism and free markets, not, not this idea that the you know, you um, the, the government's always going to step in and cover any, any, any risk. I, I, I I think it's important that those who are, um, you know, part of the FDIC insured up to 250000 it's important they get covered because that's the rule. Right. But if it's going to go cover people higher than that, then, you know, there's there's implications and concerns about that as well. So uh, I don't know how that will uh, will ultimately shake out. What do you make of Congressman Jordan, uh, the left, blaming this on President Trump's deregulation of the banks? <laughs> there's always... I mean, the left's always going to blame it on deregulation of the banks. I mean, just, uh, I mean, I mean, always going to say that it's, that's the issue because it's, uh, they want to blame Trump. I mean, I, I just don't see that. I, I think it's just typical left that blaming President Trump for, for all kinds of things. We all know what's happened in two years. Since Joe Biden has, has become president, everything has gotten worse. I mean, it just, I, 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 and I don't say that it was like, I'm not, uh, we're obviously not happy about that. We want our country to succeed. We want good things to happen in our economy and everything else. But every and it's driven by the energy policy, uh, but you know the, the border issue, the energy policy, the crime issue, and of course the inflation problem, which I think is probably the primary driver of this. Uh, all that has happened in, in literally what twenty five months of, of Joe Biden being president. Well, you're right, especially the inflation part driving up the interest rates too. That's that, that's a, a big factor, and so is you know the other part of this about the wokeness. And I don't think enough is being said. The ESG investing that so many of these uh, yeah. uh, companies that are yeah. being invested in are being invested in not because of the great returns that they can provide for depositors and investors, but rather uh, because they are advancing equity and. Uh, 
uh, and uh, you know green energy yeah. and and all of these other things. So uh, yeah. it's it's a mismanagement of people's you know retirement funds or, or their five twenty nine college funds or whatever it is. These investments were bound to fail if they're going to be investing not for their uh, sustainability and their growth margin, but but because of their ideologies. Yeah, don't base it on politics. Let's just let's just do what what uh, uh, you know return on investment so that uh, the people get the best possible return. It makes no sense. But this is today's left. Everything they do makes no sense. Um, and unfortunately, uh, that, that, may have, that may in fact have contributed to this situation with uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. By the way, the new inflation number comes out tomorrow for February. It'll be very interesting to see. I don't think most analysts expect it to be much better uh, than it was in January. Uh, this continues to be a well, deepening people, problem. Hmm? Yeah, but, but people feel it. Like, you know, just go to the grocery store. <laughs> go take your family out to dinner. And then when you get the bill and you're like, holy cow, it's just so much higher now. So, you know, they can they can come out with their numbers and all this stuff. But people just instinctively know. I mean, we've all experienced you're at the restaurant, you get the bill. And you're like, holy cow, just it, it, everything costs more. Um, and this is driven by this bad energy policy, ridiculous record levels of spending Joe Biden's undertaken. And he wants to do more with his proposed budget, for goodness sake. And he also wants to raise taxes, which is only going to exacerbate the problem as well. So um, people feel it and they know. We'll see what the number is, but I think people already understand how bad and how serious it's gotten. Yeah, they do. Uh, yesterday morning, I uh, went to make myself some breakfast. My wife said, you're not having eggs, are you? And I said, I don't know why. And she said, because those are caviar. <laughs> she said, that's why. You treat them like they're caviar. Go easy, man. And she's not wrong. <laughs> it's yeah, just nuts. I hear you. Um, let's talk about another uh, Biden uh, uh, smashing success. Uh, thousands, at least a thousand. A couple of reports said thousands, plural, of uh, border crossers rushed El- the El Paso sector yesterday. Yeah. Tried to overwhelm yeah. the border. There's a lot of video. You may have seen it. Uh, border Patrol was able to use some sort of barriers to ward off parts of it, but then they moved and went to other areas, which is kind of funny, by the way, that the Border Patrol is. Um, reduced to putting up temporary barriers wherever they can when we tried to build a freaking wall for four years yeah. and uh, and never got it finished. But um, what does it tell you about, you know, Biden's uh, um, immigration policy when so many people know that if you just get across and you say the magic word, asylum, I'm seeking yeah. asylum, they know they're going to be allowed to stay. That's what's leading these uh, these massive rushes, right? Well, of course, they, they, you know, we've said it many times. Day one, he says, no more wall, no more remain in Mexico while we evaluate your claim. And no one, once they get in, is going to get deported. So that, those three, those three changes, those three policy decisions from the get-go have, have led to this situation. And I think what it really underscores is when Secretary Mayorkas says, when you see a rush like this, when, when Secretary Mayorkas says that the, the border is secure, it's like, are, are you kidding me? Every, we can see with our own eyes, for goodness sake. So, um, again, just, just how bad this situation is. And I don't think they – I mean, I, I started to think maybe they're going to they're gonna change a little bit because we're now getting closer to uh, Joe Biden's reelection campaign. Maybe he's going to do something because the country's figuring this out. And, you know, we talked about this. We were, we were down in Yuma a couple of weeks ago. We saw firsthand talking with people there in that community, what they've had to live through the last few years. And I thought, you know, maybe he'll do something to try to, to try to you know, alleviate this problem to, to some degree at least. But I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just, the left is so crazy. Maybe they're just going to say, we don't care. We think we can, we can win in spite of this. Um, I, I don't know, but it is, it is that serious and that bad. 
One quick follow-up on that, Congressman Jordan. Um, Mexican President Obrador apparently, and I think it was a written statement, um, but he made some statements basically saying that we are going to be advising all Hispanic American voters or Mexicans who have um, uh, dual citizenship and the ability to vote in American elections to not vote for Republicans if Republicans don't start changing their tune on the way they treat Mexico. They're blaming Republicans for pointing out that extraordinary amounts of fentanyl are coming from being are being uh, 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 essentially uh, assembled isn't the right word, but concocted yeah. through through source materials obtained from yeah. China. They're being concocted right. in Mexico and being brought to this country and killing record numbers of people. And he is tired of that characterization and said uh, he he wants uh, uh, Hispanic voters to vote against Republicans if we don't change our tune. Congressman, is that not a foreign leader attempting to um, infiltrate American uh, elections? Yeah. Yeah, and we're sorry about the facts. We're sorry the truth and the facts are getting in your way. We're going to tell the truth, for goodness sake. That's what we're supposed to do. So I don't particularly care a whole lot what, what kind of spin they want to put on things. We're going to tell the truth, the facts, and everyone knows it. And oh, by the way, it was about two months ago where there was a, there was a shootout in the central part of Mexico between the government and the cartels. And of course, we've seen what's happened to Americans being kidnapped, Americans being killed. I mean, so... Give me a break, and then, and then, of course, the, the you know the the the, the record flood of, of of fentanyl coming to the country. I'm sorry, we're going to point out the facts, and I think the American people are obviously sharp enough to figure it all out and, and and understand what's really going on. Yeah, I just I'm waiting for the Democrats to condemn the idea of a foreign leader trying to involve himself in American elections after what happened uh, in 2016 and the two and a half year investigation of the quote unquote Putin uh, impact on well, the American election. Here's a here's the Mexican president literally telling people to vote against Republicans, and I'm not gonna yeah. I, don't, I don't expect to hear any condemnation anytime soon. Yeah, don't don't hold your breath because I'm changing the subject here for a second, but don't hold your breath because last week there wasn't one single Democrat who condemned Democrat members of Congress asking a journalist to give their source. So the, 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 the left has got such a hold on that party. You, you see things that you never thought you would witness happening, and you get no condemnation, no, 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 no response from uh, Democrat members of Congress. Yeah, none at all. Uh, Congressman Jordan, let's talk about uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. You confirmed last week uh, that you House Republicans are preparing some kind of criminal case against Anthony Fauci. Elon Musk, who runs Twitter now, uh, said his new pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci, and Fauci is apparently going off the rails in response to that, screaming he has no idea what in the world you people are talking about. Prosecute what? Or prosecute him for what? Can you give us any idea of what we'd be looking at from a criminal well, standpoint potentially against anthony fauci yeah i'm unfortunately about the only thing you can you could look at from um from congress from the legislative <laughs> point of view is mm-hmm. did did he say things under oath that were not true and i think right now you would have to go back and look at his exchange with senator paul when when he talked about the gain of function issue i think right that's probably the one area where because uh dr redfield said he was a hundred percent convinced last week in the hearing, Dr. Redfield said he's a hundred percent convinced that we were doing gaining functional research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and we were doing so with American tax dollars uh, going to that 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 uh, institute. So I think that is probably the one area where you could we could potentially do a referral. And then we'll see as we go through the rest of this investigation being led by Brad Winstrup uh, in on the Coronavirus Select Committee, we'll see where it goes. But I thought Dr. Redfield's testimony last week was was particularly powerful. 
and you look at the evidence early on where he was not permitted to be a part of the conference call, the now famous conference call that took place on February 1st, 2020, where Dr. Fauci, I'm convinced, got uh, just to change their story so he could protect himself from the very fact that he was sending our tax dollars to a lab in China that was not up to code, that was doing gain-of-function research, and that's where this virus started. By, by almost anyone being just using common sense, that's where this virus started. So I think that's the fact pattern. And then the fact that Dr. Fauci was told Senator Paul, no, 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 it wasn't gain-of-function research. I think that's, that's where you could potentially refer for a uh, criminal uh, criminal referral for lying under oath. Yeah, I, I would certainly hope so. Uh, if, we don't, if we don't hold people like that accountable for something that is almost easily provable, maybe with the exception of the fact that uh, we allowed uh, the Chinese Communist Party to whitewash that entire scene and bleach bit everything to within an inch of its life so that we couldn't get rock-hard proof of what was going on there. Um, everything else that you're, you're, you're saying points directly to that. So I hope there is accountability there, or at the very least, you know, charges brought so we can see what he can say in his own defense uh, in that regard. And speaking of charges, let's finish with this, Congressman Jordan. The January 6th video that you and I spoke about a few times over the course of the last couple of months, hoping to get uh, uh, Leader or Speaker McCarthy to release it to a few other organizations, including True the Vote, for true, thorough, investigative video analysis. Instead, it all went to Tucker, and Tucker has been using it a little bit by a little bit over the course of last mm-hmm. week. What is your take on what you've seen thus far, and... Apparently, from what I'm hearing now, uh, the speaker's about to give this to all media outlets and anybody who wants to yeah. have access to it. Um, is that a good idea? No, I think it is. I think it was great that he gave it to Tucker. I think it's great that it's going to get to uh, other media outlets. And uh, get, most importantly, great that it's going to get to the American people. Um, y- you know, we've talked many times, transparency is a great thing. <laughs> and, excuse me, we're, we're supposed to be, as Lincoln said, we're, uh, we're supposed to be government of the people, by the people, for the people. So let we, the people, see the facts, see the truth, get the information. So, yeah, we want to get that, we want to get that out there. I think that is, is all helpful. It's what we're trying to do with the select committee and judiciary, get the facts and the truth on the table so then we can then propose legislation and then use the appropriations process to limit what we think has been going on and what the evidence is pointing to has been going on. Same thing here. Get the facts, get the truth out there. Uh, that is good for the country, good for the American people. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think transparency is always good for the American people. What I have a problem with is we have seen what those who want to demonize the protesters slash demonstrators, including the 90-plus percent of them that were peaceful and yeah. were not doing anything violent or, or vandalism or anything else like that, we have seen what they do but because we saw the two years of the January 6th committee, the unselect committee that right. you were not allowed, not allowed to be a part of. We saw yeah. what they did with the video. And I feel like giving them just more examples of that, they will do the same exact thing. They will spin it. They will not show any of the peaceful protesters, as Tucker has been doing. They'll only show the worst of the worst and make it sound like that was everybody that was there. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with you about transparency, but we know how they are going to spin. I guess yeah. what I really want to know is what is the best way for us to, and when I say us, I mean people are interested in true justice for that day. True justice, not overcharging, not putting somebody in jail or prison for four years the way the shaman guy is for getting an escorted tour of the building by police officers. But people who are interested in true justice, justice. Um, how can that video best be used for, for us who, who want justice yeah. for people? Well, I think, 
I think once it gets out there, it's going to be it's going to be out there, and every single American will be able to get access to that. You will see things on on online that people will be posting and showing, and and that is the that is the best way in the end is to let we the people have all of us, all three hundred thirty some million of us in this country to have access and see what actually happened in our capital that we pay for. Uh, you know, the, 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 let that all out there so people can see. But let, let me just go back for a second. I, I want to just what happened last week in a, in a 48-hour time period. And this is this is why we are looking into this so much in the Judiciary Committee, what, what the government's up. But last, you had Chuck Schumer go on the Senate floor and say to Rupert Murdoch, don't let Tucker telling a news organization what they should and shouldn't show. Even though it's like it's, it's video of the, of the American people's capital. So you had Chuck Schumer saying that. We also, that same day, we issued a report from our committee, uh, House Republican uh, staff on the Judiciary Committee issued a report saying, showing how the FTC was targeting Elon Musk and Twitter, going after them once, once Musk bought Twitter. And then the very next day, about that same report, you had Democrat members of Congress questioning two of the witnesses in that FTC report that we highlighted, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberg, when they're questioning them, asking them to reveal sources. So the FTC goes after Elon Musk and says, who are the journalists you're talking to? Names four journalists. Two of them testified. And then Democrats ask them who their sources were. All that, all that happens in a 48-hour time period. That's what the left is up to, trying to keep information from going after the press, going after the First Amendment liberties that we're supposed to enjoy in this country. Well, let's not uh, forget, <laughs> shortly after Chuck Schumer made that statement, it was echoed by Mitch McConnell. We don't have all Republicans on the, on the right side of this either, on the side of transparency. Mitch McConnell said it was a mistake for Tucker Carlson to broadcast that last Monday and, uh, you know, and double down on it. So, you know, yep. there, there, there are people who just simply do not want the truth to be known about that day. And I don't know what, I know what some of their motivations are, or at least I suspect, but I don't know what all of them are. I just don't know that when the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell joins the Majority Leader and tells Tucker Carlson to stop, I got a problem. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. That, thank goodness that uh, Speaker McCarthy has taken the approach he's taken yeah. and that uh, the vast majority of Republicans understand we have a thing called the First Amendment. Amen to that. Congressman Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, always appreciate your time, sir. Thank you so much. You bet. All right. Take there care. you go. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. It is uh, 1054, so we'll get a time out here. Uh, that's an important issue. It's an extremely important issue, as I said. Jim Jordan wasn't allowed to be on that committee. If Jim Jordan was allowed to be on that committee, you know what we would have already seen? We would already have seen what Tucker showed. During the committee and all of the out-of-context, selectively edited video that the committee put, put out there for the, for the world to see in prime time, produced by an ex-ABC News producer. Remember all of that video? All of that would have been accompanied by the video Tucker's using right now. Jim Jordan and Jim Banks and others would have made sure of it. So the context could be applied. And the American people might have a very different view of what happened on January 6th right now. And you want to know what? That's why they wouldn't allow Jim Jordan and Jim Banks onto the committee. That's why Nancy Pelosi said, nope. Told Kevin McCarthy, pick somebody else. You can't have these guys here. They might spill the truth. Now it's up to Tucker and whoever else we can trust to get their hands on this to tell the truth. And I hope it gets told a lot stronger, quite frankly, than Tucker is telling it thus far. All right. Always Right Radio is right back. For a solution, for the
Okay, coming up on the uh, top of the hour, <clears throat> and looking forward to a conversation that's coming up with Jonah Schultz. Jonah Schultz, of course, is a former uh, congressional candidate. You know he ran against Max Miller in the Republican primary, and uh, he's now an author. And he's working very, very hard at continuing to uh, shine a light uh, on uh, much of which ail- what ails us. Common Sense for a Dying Nation by Jonah Schultz is now available and I talked to him on, on the podcast that I do with uh, Jack Windsor already a couple of weeks back, a little preview of this book. And uh, I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to be really impressed by the messaging that Jonah wants to share here. And it's one that I'm going to be happy to promote. Inspired by and based on Thomas Paine's Common Sense. Uh, that's what Common Sense for a Dying Nation by Jonah Schultz is all about. So we're going to talk to him coming up after the news. Stay right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. It is exactly that. Good morning once again. Thanks for being with us. Final hour is underway. First hour was an adventurous one. We had a little text up, so if you are listening to this on podcast after the fact, yeah, a little bit of a tech problem. No biggie. Gave you a little bit of best of while we uh, worked things out in a different studio, but we're here now, and we've had two great conversations already with um, Representative Gary Click, Ohio 88. Great conversation with him about uh, something that I didn't even know existed, but it happened uh, on the 12th on Saturday. Or Wednesday. Gosh, why can't I get my day straight? Sunday, yesterday, was the 12th, and it was... um, National Detransition Awareness Day. It's only been around for three years now. This is the third one. I didn't know what happened, but it was a great conversation we had, especially after the Wadsworth uh, show on uh, Saturday. Uh, and then we spoke with Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, of course, last segment. And uh, there are a ton of uh, ton, there's a ton of useful information there. If you missed that interview at all, uh, make sure you check it out on the podcast page. Make sure you go to the page. It's about an hour after the show ends, around 1 o'clock. You'll be able to hear everything that you may have missed. Now, as we begin hour number three, oh, you know what? Goodness gracious. I'm sure Jonah Schultz won't mind waiting for about another 30 seconds because I wasn't here live for the start of the show for the obvious reasons I just mentioned, which means we did not get our pledge. And I asked people at Bringing Back America Back to Life over the weekend, the Right to Life conference, uh, how much this meant to them. And I got a lot of people with hands in the air saying they want their pledge. So, yeah. 
Uh, I apologize. I didn't give you that in the start of the show because I was not here live. But I'm here live now. So, Patriots, go ahead and rise and face your flag. Put your hand on your heart and join us for this Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, Johnny Howes, I'm hoping this one works from here because I'm not sure if we're all connected or not. But if not, I need you to uh, fire this off for me here. But, uh, Patriots, go ahead and stand and uh, say your pledge. If you are a believer in what Joe Biden has done to our southern border, which was rushed by thousands trying to overwhelm the El Paso sector yesterday, well, then you obviously don't have any idea what that flag represents. You may instead of pledging, you may take a knee next to your favorite unemployed quarterback. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. There you go. So I don't want anybody to accuse me of abrogating my oath here to make sure I give you a Pledge of Allegiance every day. And now let's find out if I was right. Let's find out if Jonah Schultz has a problem with delaying for just a few seconds while we get our pledge. I kind of think I know the answer to that. Jonah is a former congressional candidate, and uh, he is now an author, a published author, as I mentioned in the early going. His book is called Common Sense for a Dying Nation. Jonah, good to have you. How are you, sir? I'm great, Bob. It's it's great to be back on the show and an absolute honor to come on after our beautiful pledge. I knew you'd feel that way. I knew that was a, that was an easy call for me. So, Jonah, obviously you and I have spoken on a couple of different occasions about what's in your book. One on our uh, po- podcast that I do with Jack Windsor called Talk and Smack with Bob and Jack, and I really enjoyed that. So let's bring, now that this is officially available today, right? Today is release day, yes? Absolutely, yeah. Today it's out on Amazon, available everywhere. Uh, Common Sense for a Dying Nation is now ready to hit your bookshelf at home. That is outstanding. So now that it's official, and we can indeed do that, uh, let's talk a little bit with this audience and uh, let them know what dying, uh, uh, Common Sense for a Dying Nation is all about. Now, you told me uh, that it's inspired by Common Sense, by Thomas Paine, of course. Why don't you give everybody a little bit of a background there? Sure thing. Well, you can call Common Sense for a Dying Nation a political commentary or a cultural critique, but at its core, it's, it's simply a basic assertion of facts that we once understood as Americans. It's an assertion of our natural rights, where these rights come from, and how we ought to live our lives as a free people. It it takes a look at the problems of our age from a political, cultural, and spiritual perspective, really understanding that all three of these areas are inextricably linked, because as I know, as you know, as I'm sure everybody listening knows, America is dying. Our economy is shrinking. Our jobs in manufacturing have been shipped overseas. The average American increasingly cannot afford common household goods. We essentially have no borders. Suicide rates are at record highs. Drug use, addiction, drug overdose deaths are at record highs. Our birth rates collapsing. Our public school system is failing. Record students aren't proficient in reading, writing, and math. Um, and record children are growing up in single-parent homes. You add this to the fact that we increasingly have no sense of a shared culture, language, or values. Um, our, our society is, is crumbling, but it, it goes much deeper than just these single issues because Americans have forgotten what it means to be free. We've forgotten where those rights come from, and, and we've forgotten that we were each born with a divine purpose that only we can carry out. And until we remember those things and who we were meant to be, nothing's going to change in our government. A good people will create a good government. And my belief is that the, if the average American remembers their value, 
their virtue and, and their strength, we can turn this thing around. You know, Jonah, I may, uh, we're talking with Jonah Schultz, the author of uh, Common Sense for a Dying Nation, releases today, the very first day it's available. It's in, it's published and available for you to purchase. Amazon, right? Anywhere else? Uh, obviously, everybody talks about Amazon. Uh, Amazon, anywhere else can people get that book? Yeah, it's available on Amazon today. You can go to jonahdschultz.com uh, as well, and it will be available uh, on more outlets as, as time goes. Awesome. A um, little bit of a problem potentially with the word forgotten when you say Americans have forgotten what it means to be free and forgotten about some of these principles and they need to be reminded. I kind of feel like forgetting something is accidental, like forgetting where my car keys are, forgetting to empty the dishwasher and getting yelled at by my wife. I think forgetting is accidental. I feel like what we're undergoing, Jonah, is more intentional. It's an intentional whitewashing of our history, of our founding, uh, of, uh, of the, you know, the unalienable, alienable rights that we were granted by God that were written into that constitution. I feel like they're intentionally wiping it out. They're, they're, it's not a matter of forgetting. It's a matter of re-educating and indoctrinating. And, and they want people to, to, to not know, to not ever have known, much less forget about, uh, these rights. Am I, am I going too far with that? No, absolutely not. And you look at what a culture needs to be free. It needs shared values. It needs a shared language and it needs a shared reality. So we, we're talking about a country right now that has all of these millions and millions of people that are essentially not even living within the same reality because from, for many younger adults, from the time that they were born, they were indoctrinated. Their history is whitewashed and, and they were taught to hate themselves, others and their own history, their own values. And you talk about whitewashing. We don't even share the same language anymore, not, not just English as a dialect, but we are redefining the very words that we use. Our government institutions are redefining these words. You look at the CDC redefining vaccine. You look at the Joe Biden administration redefining recession. You look at Merriam-Webster Dictionary redefining man and woman. We're living in this age of, of my truth. And that's why it's going to be so important that the left has understood that we have to take a that they they have taken a re-education approach from a political, cultural, and spiritual uh, battleground. And those of us on the right have to understand that we can no longer try to fight this neutral game to have this neutral battlefield. We need to begin going on offense because you're either on offense striving towards what is true virtue and prosperity, or you're losing ground into the darkness like we're seeing today. We are talking with Jonas Schultz, the author, uh, former congressional candidate, who is, uh, I think I asked you this when we were talking on the podcast, too. You're not done with uh, with with political office, are you? I mean, uh, obviously, you, were, you felt called to go ahead and run in that primary. Max is now in Congress and, by all accounts, doing a great job. You're not done, though, are you, Jonah? You know, the way I put it is I live my life by trying to find out what path God needs me to walk and walking it, whether that's an office, whether that's a, as an author, uh, or anything in politics or any other way of life. Um, that's what we all should be doing. So I don't close any doors. And if there's an opportunity and I'm called to do it, I'll, I'll, I will, I will do it. But, uh, on my plate right now, I'm focused on the book and, and the bigger picture that we have to really repair our, our much greater culture 
uh, that's that's really broken right now. Okay, I'll roll with that. So we'll just call you Jonah Schultz, author, author for now. Uh, I, I made note once in a while, future political candidate, because I don't think I don't think you're done. I think you have a lot to offer. So we just don't know where that's going to be yet or when. But for now, author of Common Sense for a Dying Nation. Uh, Dying Nation. So Jonah, as as we talk about. Um, restoring some of the things that I think we both agree are not just being forgotten, but are being intentionally erased. Uh, and as you point out with the changing of a vocabulary and vernacular and so forth, um, does it begin at the elementary school level? Uh, because, you know, obviously we have known for some time the indoctrination, the intentional miseducation of people, the teaching of uncommon sense rather than common sense at the uh, higher education level has been a problem. But, I think we all know now what's going on at the younger levels. Um, it, it's probably where the core of the problem lies. These are the next, you know, the Gen Zers right now are are already in a really, really bad state. I cannot imagine what today's five and six and seven year old kindergarten, first and second grade students become high school students and seniors. What their lives and what their beliefs are going to look like. So, uh, I feel like that's got to be the starting point. Um, the question is, is you know, do we have what it takes to take the schools back and get back to educating these kids on constitutional principles rather than woke indoctrination? It absolutely starts from the beginning, and that's why the <laughs> left has tried so hard not just to take over our education system our, and our media, but to hollow out the family. When you look at the attack on the nuclear family, which is the foundation of a free society. So, you know, I talked about Republicans and, and conservatives in general learning that there there is no neutrality. We've had this kind of stay out of my yard, do whatever you want as long as you don't bother me mentality. But we look at the perfect issue that kind of illustrates what we're talking about here, which is our our education system is the battleground. When you look at the idea of book banning and what's going on in our schools, there's a lot of Republicans out there and those on the right who are saying, well, I really don't want the government to get involved in our schools, and we just need this free marketplace of ideas. And the reality is the government's already involved in our schools. They, they ban plenty of books. We're not allowed to discuss uh, the Bible or a lot of important uh, you know, literature in our schools, but we're allowed to talk about radical race theory, teaching children to hate one another based on the color of their skin pornography in our schools. So there is a time and a place to use government action to defend children and ensure that we're creating a playing field that doesn't absolutely cripple the ability of children and young adults to enter into the world and understand truth and reality. So I've gotten asked this question a lot as a young conservative, what can we do? It's really going to be upon those of us who are active voters to put individuals in office who are going to go after social media and make sure kids are not having access to what they are right now. It's going to take politicians that are going to say, hey, we are going to incentivize parents staying together and having children, not financially incentivizing divorce and single-parent homes. And it really goes to those older generations to say, listen, we're going to stand up and we're not going to just fight for neutrality, but we're going to fight for goodness because we see when a kind of impotent Republican Party that's just become this opposition party just fights simply for neutrality, and you have another side in the Democrat Party that wants to dominate, we're witnessing that result. We have to start going on offense, and it starts by understanding what we're fighting for. Jonah, did you ever think you would see a day in which 
half-naked cross-dressers were intentionally united in the same rooms with little children? Because that's part of the uncommon sense that I'm talking about here. You mentioned the government, you know, uh, protecting children, and quite frankly, they're putting them in danger because of things like this. We just had another one of these ridiculous shows uh, that was greenlit and permitted by um, the city of Wadsworth, uh, ostensibly, they say, because of the Constitution, because of the First Amendment. You have free right to, or right to free speech and free assembly and so forth. Um, and there are, of course, those rights. I'm a champion of those rights. I work for citizens for free speech, for goodness sakes. But there has to be limitations when it comes to age appropriateness and adult-oriented materials. Um, how on earth did we get to that point where we bring we bring indecent, age-inappropriate, sexualized performances specifically and geared toward it's not like somebody happened by um they're intended for children's eyes and children's minds and children's uh consumption what um did uh, you know what do we what do we do when government isn't trying to protect the children but government is exposing uh, people to uh, children to these things well i think you made an excellent point recently on your show that if these if these performers were actually women they would be arrested, right? This, there's, there's no way that this would be allowed in public, let alone uh, in any kind of private establishment having, uh, you know, naked or half-naked women uh, dancing for, for toddlers. It's just, it's a disgusting and evil practice. Um, but this is where Republicans, again, have, have gotten a little soft where you look at these, these you know, Wadsworth officials who, who most are, are Republicans saying, well, we need to respect, you know, the, the First Amendment, the neutrality of the public space. That does not defend obscenity. Obscenity is, is not allowed within our First Amendment. We, we do have guardrails of society. We do need to encourage standards and norms. That obviously starts as an individual. It starts at home within our local communities. But the government does have a role to play in encouraging good behavior and discouraging bad behavior. It sounds simplistic and it sounds silly, but... It, our government has done the opposite or nothing for certainly my entire lifetime and, and, and long before. And that's where policy comes into play. And, and actually wielding government authority like you see governors like Ron DeSantis doing and saying, listen, we're not going to tolerate the absolute destruction of our culture, of our values that made this country great, and of the future of our youth. We're going to wield the power that the citizens gave us, and we're going to put an end to this. And there's going to need, there's a great need from our standpoint as voters to elect individuals who commit to that, hold them accountable, and ultimately for those elected officials to do that heavy lifting on behalf of the people. And I think we're seeing a trend in that direction, but there's a lot more people who need to really awaken to what's going on. Yeah, I think that's very well said, and uh, and the key is going to be, are the people who do know what's going on and who do see where it's headed in that direction, are they going to be willing to stand up and fight it? And I'm going to tell you, that, that comment that you just referenced that I brought up last week, uh, I'm going to put it to the test. I just need a Wadsworth resident to call this show. We'll get his information, because I can't make the permit request, because I'm not, I'm not a resident, but I want somebody to submit a uh, a petition for a permit to hold a real queen's drag story hour i mean, I mean not drag queen real queen's story hour i should say uh and and put it to the test and we'll see if i tell them we're going to have half naked women reading for a little while to the kids and then dancing and singing for them after that in a public park location geared toward children if we'll see if we get a permit 
if we don't get a permit, we've got a huge problem on our hands here because uh, that would mean that they are completely in the pocket of the radical left, uh, and they're willing to do it as long as somebody is a fake woman but not a real woman. And if they do grant it, obviously I'm not going to go through with having it, but I do want to find out if they're going to be willing to do it because we have to find a way to find their weak spots and push back against them if we're going to save this culture and this society. Uh, terrific conversation and a lot of very good ideas being shared here, and they're all driven uh, and taken, rather derived, I should say, not driven, they're derived from Jonah's book, uh, Common Sense for a Dying Nation by Jonah Schultz, available right now at Amazon, and you should check him out at jonahdschultz.com. Jonah, great work. Thank you for the time. Thanks for doing what you're doing, and obviously we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much, Bob. God bless. God bless you, too. That's Jonah Schultz. It's uh, 1127. We'll take our time out here. We'll take this to the bottom of the hour news, and we'll come back. And finally, for the first time today, we'll have a chance to take a phone call or two if you'd like to make a phone call or two. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. Alrighty then. 1135 final segment of Always Right Radio for this Monday. Thanks so much for being with us. If you've been with us since the start, you heard a little best of. If you got in in the middle, you heard all live radio either way. Thanks for being here when you get here. So um, Wadsworth happened on uh, Saturday. It was so funny. I was uh, emceeing the um, Cleveland Right to Life Babel Conference, which is a convention, which is uh, Babel is B-A-B-L, Bringing America Back to Life. And um, I happened to look out on Saturday at around 11-ish. I was introducing one of the speakers, and uh, I looked out the window uh, from the ballroom there at the embassy suites, and I saw how much snow was on the ground. And I already knew how cold it was because I had been out to the truck earlier in the day. And uh, it dawned on me, it's 11 o'clock. That means they're an hour into Groomer Fest 23, which, of course, was this rock and roll, humanist, atheist, pro-drag queen, cross-dressing, supporting lunatic in, uh, in Wadsworth holding this event for children. And it dawned on me. And I told the crowd, too, many of whom did not know about this. Think about how that all played out. They tried to schedule Groomer Fest for a name, by the way, that they absolutely hate, which is why I continue to call it Groomer Fest. I don't do political correct. Um, it started in the Wadsworth. Well, I don't want to demonize them because they did back out of it. Uh, but it started with a bar slash restaurant in Wadsworth that was going to be hosting this event in their place. And then, as I told the crowd, I said, pretty soon, the conservative people of Wadsworth, which is a very, you know, conservative, pro-family, you know, uh, community for, for the most part, uh, as soon as they told the business that was going to host this, the, uh, the bar slash restaurant, they backed out, like, immediately and issued a statement, you know, we, we don't agree with suppressing speech, but we've been threatened. They tried to play the we've been threatened card, which is a whole crock of you-know-what uh police investigated there were no threats there were some messages saying we don't want you to do this we disagree with you but there were no threats and all that nonsense happened but anyway so they tried to find a backup plan and they couldn't find a business in town that would host groomer fest so what did they have to do 
they had to go to the city and say, well, then we can't find a place to have it inside. We're going to have it outdoors. Can we use the parks? They filed for a permit to do it in Wadsworth Memorial Park. And the city, after much debate and discussion, we talked to the city council president about that last week, uh, the city council didn't make that call, of course. They didn't have the authority to. Only the mayor and the safety director, I guess, can make that call. The mayor issued a statement saying, yes, it's granted. And a lot of us were disappointed because of what Jonah and I just talked about. Obscenities are and pandering obscenity to minors are exceptions to the free speech and free, free assembly you know, uh, protections in the First Amendment. And we were disappointed. But it occurred to me, though, as I was introducing the speaker at um, bringing America back to life, and I looked outside and I saw the snow on the ground, and I realized how cold it was and the snow was, and I thought, tell me God isn't running this show. Tell me God didn't look and say, oh, well, they're not having groomer fest indoors. They're forced to have it outdoors. How about we give them 20 degrees and about four or five inches of snow on the ground? Let's see the... the um, the cross-dresser stripped down to his uh, in, uh, to his uh, lingerie or whatever in front of these kids in 20 degrees with snow on the ground. And I just thought it was phenomenal that they got that kind of a weather, uh, that kind of weather. I thought it was even better that the groomer who uh, organized this whole thing didn't even think to himself, maybe March isn't the best time to have something outdoors. Maybe we'll put it off until May. And I was just so glad to see that they were going to be as miserable and as uncomfortable as possible there. And from what I understand, the cross-dresser did not take the warm clothes off after he sang uh, or read to the children and then sang for the children. So that part is a good thing. That was God on the lookout. So I just absolutely love that. Now, having said that, the event still was held. And if it could have been done the way they wanted to do it, they would have done it that way. And that's a problem. So if people are wondering what happened, obviously I was not there since I was emceeing. I am told there were three groups. There were the supporters, otherwise known as the abusive parents who took their children. About 15 of them, I think, was the count that the Medina County Gazette had. About 15 kids were there. And uh, so that means 15 neglectful, abusive parents who wanted to expose their kids to this sort of trash. Uh, and then there were Christians there who were doing the 18 plus gets rid of us saying, look, we're not judging you. Do your lifestyle how you do your lifestyle, but leave the kids out of it. When you're trying to indoctrinate kids, we've got an issue. And then there were the neo-Nazis. And I'm told they weren't Antifa in neo-Nazi garb. They were actual skinheads waving the, the uh, Nazi flag with the swastika. And they, of course, were there to cause trouble and to do nothing but make those who oppose this show, if you will, uh, look bad, as if we are filled with hate. And, of course, the irony of that is that the Nazis were the actual ones who did what the people who promote what was happening in that park want to do. It was Nazis Joseph Mengele, the angel of death, the evil doctor who experimented on children by physically mutilating them, which is exactly, of course, what this LGBTQ movement is doing by trying to push children into being transitioned, physically mutilating them, chemically castrating them, performing surgical procedures on them, removing healthy organs, all to experiment to see if they can change them from one sex to another. It is literally out of the demonic playbook of the Nazis. 
So just to kind of let you know where that whole thing stands. Sally is in Berea. Sally, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for your patience. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. I was glad to hear that the media in large is, is going to be have access to, or more of them, to some of these tapes, because all I want is for the facts to go out for these unfortunate persons who have been persecuted and had their uh, civil rights violated. I, I just want them to have some justice, and because they've been caught up in this web of intrigue and hype for uh, for so long, and they need to have their cases heard. Thanks. Thank you, Sally. I appreciate the phone call. Um, let's squeeze one more in from uh, BJ before we're done. BJ in North Homestead, go ahead. Hello? Yes, sir. You're on the air, BJ. Uh, I'd like to bring up a couple points. You talked about Dr. Mangula. Well, look at what the doctors are to these young children removing their breasts and testicles. Is there a difference between the two? I don't think so. No, They're that was the same path. Yeah, that was that was the point that I was making. Exactly. I, that. I, real, I realize that. Yeah, they are the exact the same thing. thing. Is, <clears throat> in nineteen twenty nine the same thing happened with the banks that just happened currently. The bankers realized that all, with all the debt they had, they could collapse the banking system, get all that money from the people that had to lose their homes, and then they resold these homes. It happened in cities like Lakewood. A lot of these uh, single big family homes were turned into multiplexes. So we're on the same track that we were in 1929 as far as forcing a depression on the American public. This is all contrived. This, is, this country doesn't need that kind of stuff to be happening. It's being, it's being stimulated and caused to bring this nation down for the one world government. That is the goal of these socialists and communists. That is the goal of the bankers. They don't give a damn about what country you're in or what your nationality is. Money is green in every country, if you get my well, point. Well, I do indeed. And thank you for the call, BJ. I appreciate it. And you may be very right about that. Somebody else texted me this morning and said, oh, crap, they're showing the January 6th footage that we tried to hide. Better shut down a couple of banks and distract them quick. Uh, that may there may be something to that, too. I don't believe in coincidences, not anymore. So thank you, my friend, for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for being uh, patient with us today due to our technical problems. Thanks to Johnny, by the way, who put it all together and held it together for us. Thanks to Marcy for stepping in as well. Uh, have a great day. Don't forget, listen to what you missed on the podcast page. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.